Welcome to Embrace the Musica, where we're going to dig into the raw, vulnerable, tough, and beautiful pieces of this journey called life. I'm Dominique Dines, who at the age of 21 moved abroad to Mexico to start teaching after growing up in a small town in Minnesota. My husband is from Peru, and we met salsa dancing 10 years ago in Guadalajara, Mexico. Here we are today raising two lovely tricultural kids. We speak more Spanish than English in our home and do a lot of salsa dancing in the kitchen. Embrace the Musica is going to be a place where we talk about what it's like being married to someone from a completely different culture, living in a place that neither of us grew up in, being a working mom, constantly fighting or accepting cultural norms, and all the things that keep us afloat, which includes a lot of heart and humility. So let's embrace the Musica today. Welcome, everybody, to Embrace the Musica. This week, I am so excited to have my friend Afoma join us. I believe Afoma and I first met through a monthly international women's breakfast that I was hosting here in Guadalajara, and we realized very quickly that we have a good friend in common. It's one of Afoma's neighbors. Um, and as Afoma is also a foreigner here in Mexico with two boys the age of my daughter, we decided that we should do a play date and eventually got together um, with some other moms as well. And over the last years, I've gotten to know a little bit more about Afoma and her story. And as our listeners already know, I love a good story about somebody's journey. And Afoma is one of many international women that I admire so much in my life. So I wanted to invite her today to ask a few questions about her journey and what brought her to Mexico and the place she is today. So welcome, Afoma. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I know it's hard to find a minute during quarantine, especially since you have twin two-year-old boys. <laughs> Can you just tell me or tell us a little bit about where you grew up, uh, kind of what brought you to Mexico, and also the story behind your name? Thank you so much for having me here, Dom. I appreciate it. Anything to, I could do to help or to share information, I love to do. So my name, Ofoma. So my name is actually a Nigerian name. It's from an east, the eastern part of Nigeria. And Nigeria is in West Africa, on the continent of Africa. And it simply means kindness. But my full name is Ofoma Chuku Ebuka. And that means the kindness of God is great. So it's a mouthful. I never tell anybody to say, I just give them a foma. But a foma is kind of like the English, because it's not an English word. That's like, if you read it um, directly with the alphabets in English, you'll say a foma. But the real pronunciation is a foma. And my brand name or my YouTube name and everything else that is associated with me is Amofa, which is simply my name backwards. And that was a funny story because it happened when I was in high school and we had a math exam, no, a math test we were supposed to do, but the test was postponed for some reason. You know how it is when you've prepared so much for a test and your teacher says, oh, we're not doing it again. So we're trying to expend energy. So my friend Joanne then just went on the board and started writing people's name backwards. And my name was the name that stuck. So people have started calling me. People started calling me a mofa uh, way back in 2000 and I think this was 2002 or 2003 and the name has just stuck. And I love the name and I love the story behind the name. Um, I kind of alluded to this with that first question, but it was a very big question. Can you tell us a little bit about your international journey and how you went from Nigeria to the States and now to Mexico? So I have lived in quite a few places. In fact, I was actually born in Nigeria, but at, I think, eight months or nine months, my mom got a scholarship to go to England to do her PhD. So she went to King's College University, or is it just King's College? That's the name of the university she went to, and she did her PhD in nutrition and dietetics. So that's where I was born, and then she stayed on furthered her education, became a nurse, a health visitor. My dad was teaching there. He's also a pharmacist as well. But my mom was like, I think I need you to go back to Nigeria and get a bit more of our culture because I was becoming really westernized. And 
I moved back to Nigeria in 2006 to start secondary school at the age of, I think I just turned 10 that year because, no, sorry, not 2006, in 2000 to start secondary school. And I was just turning 10, my birthday's in October, so I was turning 10 that year because that's the age that Nigerians usually go to secondary school because if you do well in school they give you like promotion so if you did well in school you should be 10 entering secondary school so that's when i left for secondary school even though i hadn't finished my primary or my elementary studies and i went back to nigeria stayed back and went to the university too but i think i came to fall in love or i fell in love sorry though I fell in love with Nigeria, the culture, the space, having family around. It was just a whole different thing from the conservative lifestyle in England. And I was like, yeah, if my parents say I shouldn't go back to school, that's no biggie for me. So I stayed back, went to secondary school in the West, Nigeria. Um, anybody that's familiar with Nigeria should know Lagos. So that's where I went to secondary school. But then I went back to the East. That's the part where my family is from and went to university and at that time my parents had moved back to Nigeria to pursue teaching professions in the university I went to as professors so I went there to university finished moved to the southeast to do internships so I studied pharmacy and you have to do like a one-year compulsory internship before you can practice so that's where I did that and um, I met my husband in school but he moved to where I moved for my internship and then the relationship solidified and we got engaged and we got married. So we got married in 2014 in November and in December, my husband's like, oh, that he wants to do his master's. I was like, yeah, okay, no problem. Because I assume that he has such a good job. We have a good life here. He's not going to just drop everything to go and live the foreign, the abroad life. That's what we call it. And for someone that had lived abroad, I was like, I'm not ready for that lifestyle again. Um, Nigerian lifestyle is so similar to Mexico. I keep on saying it in the sense that you can get everything you want or you need with as little money as possible. So you could have someone to do the gardening, do the laundry, help clean around the house. And I really didn't want to go and struggle the way, not struggle per se, but have to do everything on my own, like the way my mom did. And it made me become very independent at a young age. So I was like, yeah, whatever. He's not going to give up his opportunity for this well-paying job in Nigeria to move to England. But then in December, he applied to UNC and Duke. And UNC, as the University of North Carolina, put him on the wait list. But Duke gave him admission. And I was like, okay, so what are we doing? Are we leaving? And he was like, yeah, we're leaving. And literally, we got married in... November, I had set up my kitchen, set up my dining, set up my living room, like with how you imagine, like when you're getting married, you set up your house and he's like, no, we're going to pack everything up and sell, or you can just pack it to your auntie's garage. And when we come back after two years, we would pick up from where we left. But this is what, five years later, and I'm still living overseas. So we moved to North Carolina Durham did Duke it was a wonderful experience because they had a very good international program which I chaired actually in the sec our second year there and it was very inclusive so for the wives that followed their husbands for the because he did an MBA program like we never felt so far away from home because we were all foreigners and you know it was different for us but i think i had an advantage because english is our first language in nigeria so a lot of people are like oh you speak perfect english which is something i get all the time and i'm like yeah we were colonized by the british english is our first language even though i do have my own tribal dialect and that's when i fell in love with actually latinos and latinas because i had so many friends from chile brazil actually only knew two people from Mexico, Cuba, Colombia. Um, but the Chileans were like the large, my large people. They were like my personal people. And because I just realized that the Latinas and Latinas, they love to party. They had kids. So I would babysit their kids while they go out and party all the time. And in fact, sometimes they would start speaking in Spanish. I'm like, yeah, I don't understand. They're like, oh, former, we forgot that you speak English. So I feel like it was destiny when he got a job and it was florida i'm like oh wow so the lord is really saying something about this spanish culture for me and we moved from north carolina to florida 
we moved to St. Petersburg. It's very very close to Tampa. That's what people usually know. And we, by the time we were moving, I was pregnant with our twins. So we moved. Then literally less than a year later, an opportunity opened up in Mexico. And I was like, yeah, we're not going to move to Mexico. But it was like in less than six weeks, our things were packed. Um, then we packed up stuff in boxes for the shipping company and we were on the plane to Mexico and we arrived in Mexico the 2nd of July, if I'm correct. Yeah, so we've been here for two years now. So that's how we moved around. And yeah, I'm grateful that we, we like, I'm grateful for all the things that we faced. You know, we, our family started off in Durham, born in florida and then they celebrated their first birthday in mexico so it's been an experience for them and for me too moving around with twin boys <laughs> yeah no and i'm so glad i got to meet you too and we've met our families and been able to hang out before the pandemic happened obviously um so your journey wow you've really picked up and moved a lot <laughs> over the last few years. Um, one of the things you mentioned is that you studied pharmacy, just like your father, but then I, I kind of know your story, and I know that once you got to the U.S., it was there you weren't able to practice, right? So for, as for pharmacy, I didn't really... Me as an individual, I love to help. I I originally wanted to study medicine. I don't even know if I've said that, but I originally, I originally wanted to study medicine. I didn't get into medical school. I didn't have the grades, the best grades for it. But then they did do a second poll and I got in. But I realized, yeah, I don't really like blood. So I said, okay, let me just stay in the pharmacy aspect. And I love it completely, especially in the community setting where I could talk to um, patients and people, like just generally... Um, advise them and all whatnot. So when I moved to the US, there are three stages of exams you need to go through before you're able to practice. But there was always one form of stumbling block or the other. My friend would always say that maybe God's will is not for me to practice pharmacy anymore because the first time I was about to write the exam, you needed two identification cards with exactly the same name. Now, I had a North Carolina driver's license and I had my passport, but my passport was about to expire before the exam. So Hobby was like, you better change your last name to my last name. We married, which is a custom in Nigeria. You rarely see people that keep their maiden names after marriage. So I did that. But then I realized it was really complicated because I was doing it in the US and I'm not a citizen. So I had to do all these FBI verifications or what or whatnot. So my passport wasn't ready before then. Then... The next year when I was going to write the exam, I became I was already pregnant and obviously I had no strength, willpower or zeal to read for the exam. And then the following year we had moved to Mexico. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Over and done. Then coming to Mexico, I had to write the exam in Spanish. Like I understand Spanish to an extent. I speak Spanish to an extent, but to pass an exam, yeah, that wasn't for me. And honestly, really, if Hobby says we're going to live here for five more years, maybe I probably will like take out one year to read for Spanish. First of all, like learn Spanish in and out, then try and write the exams, you know, so I, I can still be abreast of what's happening in the pharmacy world. But besides that, I just do courses here and there to keep up with it. So it's not as if I don't want, I didn't want to. I do love my profession. I love it, especially at the time like this during the whole pandemic. I wish I could have like when people ask me questions. Okay, why as it am I saying chloroquine, zinc, this, and I have to like think really hard to understand the pharmacology, the pharmacology behind it, or the chemistry behind it. So I do love my profession, but like there's always been a stumbling block in it right now. And since we have a young family, you understand it's hard. Afoma, every time I talk to you, I just learn something new and I've loved hearing the story of your family and the fact that you lived in England when you were young because your mom was studying her PhD and then you went on to pharmaceutical school just like your father. Um, I'm just always so impressed with your journey and how you've also just had such a great attitude about some of the doors that have closed because of things like name changes or complications with paperwork. It's been a lot. 
yet you have continued to just keep growing and finding new passions and I'm curious how everything started with the makeup. So that's why I started doing my makeup and tutorials and posting on Instagram and YouTube. But YouTube was actually birthed when we moved to Mexico because I realized that what the world thinks of Mexico is not what I see. So I always say, follow me so that you can see Mexico through my eyes, especially as a black woman living in Mexico. Like it's completely different than me being European or American living in Mexico. Because whenever I tell people I'm from Africa, they're like, what? Africa? Mexico? Why? They just assume I'm a black American when they see me, but that's not the case. You about that. So that's perfect. Um, and I'll link below the podcast episode. I'll link your social media um, accounts so people can follow you on there. But... With when did you actually start using Instagram? And you said YouTube you started in Mexico, Instagram you started earlier. Um, did you start initially with the name Amofa? So, my Instagram actually started when I was getting married in 2014, and that was just to basically post my pre wedding pictures. I was doing a lot of makeup jobs for people because I did go to makeup school for a for six weeks after I graduated from university before my internship started but I wasn't really posting it was just like word of mouth oh Foma does makeup Foma does makeup Foma does makeup Mofa does makeup Mofa does makeup but then my sister who has the most gorgeous Instagram feed was like no Foma, you really need to use Instagram this is like a social media marketing tool so I started posting stuff that I do using hashtags but trust me I don't have the largest following on Instagram since I opened Instagram I still have basically 2,500 followers and then on my YouTube I have about 1,500 followers and honestly it isn't as it isn't so easy to do that but it's been a gradual process and I've been improving from time to time and I've noticed that videos move a lot so if you have a social media feed try and make videos snippets on your Instagram story on your feed i realized that when people see videos they are more likely to stay back and look so i started doing you know five one minute videos doing some videos on my igtv and then people like encouraged me to go onto youtube and then i said you know what i'm gonna do it so i started my youtube channel in 2019. afoma i'm just so impressed with your passion and with the purpose and the intentionality that you're using instagram and now youtube um, in such a short amount of time, really, to create your brand and to create brand awareness through your different products or services. Um, I'm just curious, as somebody, obviously, you know, I try to apply makeup every now and then. <laughs> I'm not an artist in any means um, or any way, like compared to you, um, putting on makeup. But how do you keep learning or staying on top of all the trends? Um, as for makeup, I, you, I think as with everything in life you continue learning and relearning and learning i remember doing a cut crease for the first time and my hands was so shaky but now that's something that i love to do cut crease is basically using concealer to clean up a portion of your lid so i've continually watched videos i have attended a few master classes just to learn and brush upon techniques but that's basically what it is makeup and hair for me is a passion it isn't something that I feel is work. I love to do it. I love to do it. The only time it's heart-wrenching for me is when I see a highlighter or an eyeshadow broken on the floor because the kids decided they wanted to use it to paint. But I think that's the way I do. I love that you talk about that distinction and that intentionality when you started using social media and you talk about creating that brand. Because I find that as I talk to other friends or other people who are pursuing maybe like a side business along with raising a family, I mean, I have that same question myself a lot of times, like, do I keep everything in one feed or do I really try to distinguish two different um, profiles, I guess? And so I think it just totally depends on the market and what you're selling and, it, you know, it's all about what your purpose or what your intention is. So I love watching your videos and I'm so grateful that I was able to hire you for that one like 
fancy event we had. <laughs> and I really hope that all of this ends soon so that I can go to another event. <laughs> and um, so that you can also get more business because I'm sure this pandemic, you know, has really been hard because I know you and your husband have been very careful and you've been home. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about, we've talked about this a little bit, is how has life been in Mexico for you as a foreigner? I mean, I know we've talked about this personally and with friends, but with everything happening right now in the States with the Black Lives Matters movement, how is that affecting you and your family raising two African boys or African-American boys in this case who may eventually move back to the States or elsewhere? Like as a mom, do you find yourself worrying? Um, I know that I've had to do a lot of unlearning of things that I grew up with and I don't even know necessarily how to articulate all of my thoughts around all of this right now, but I'm so happy to see that there's a movement happening right now. But if you don't mind, I'd love to hear your opinion on all of this. So, okay. First of all, the pandemic situation has made me, first of all, the first three weeks, I'm not going to lie, I think I actually entered a phase of depression because I just didn't want to do anything. I was like, oh my God, how long are we going to stay at home? Am I going to have to teach the boys? Like, they're, I love them to bits, but I'm their mom. I'm not their teacher. So it was hard. And we were having, like, Zoom calls to teach. And it was difficult. Then I tried to... I, I got out of it. I had to. Because I was even taking it out of my husband. Like, little things would irritate me, which normally wouldn't. And then I realized that it was a little bit of depression that was happening to me. Because, obviously, everything halted at once. All the makeup jobs, the hair jobs, like everything just stopped immediately. But then I had to find a way to come out of it. And what really did help me was listening to music. I think um, one of our other friends, Jen, she had this quarantines thing she was doing on her Instagram page. And I just decided to do it. But I was like focusing only on Christian gospel music to like elevate my soul. So in as much as I was posting, people were like, oh, I like this song. I like this song. It was for me myself to remember that like, we're going to get through this. This is okay. But then when the Black Lives Matter thing happened with George Floyd and Ahmaud Avery and everybody kept on saying they fit the description. I looked at my two boys and I was like, these boys are literally African-Americans because yes, even though we are of Nigerian descent, they, or I am from Nigeria, my husband is, they were born in the United States. So the United States sees them as their own. And living in Mexico, I've never Ever. like rather than feel like pure out racism it wasn't like that it's literally curiosity when we first moved we were in a here we were in a hotel for a month so we would go to the mall that was just directly beside the hotel and people out of curiosity and shock like <gasps> your hair your kids hair and they were twins so the first word I literally learned was Hemelos, because everybody's like Hemelos, and I'm like, yeah, 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 CCC. I had no idea what it meant until I actually said, oh, it means twins. And I was like, yes, they're twins. And I found out there's quarters and there's Hemelos. So those were the first words I actually learned being in the hotel because they would always, of course, seeing a black lady with a lot of hair, because I had this like Afro curly hair when I moved here, pushing a stroller with two boys inside. Everybody wanted to peek and see what who they what was inside. Is it are they black kids? Are they biracial kids? Like. And they're like, why are you here? And I had to explain, oh, my husband's company moved him here. I didn't see that as racism at all. I just thought it, saw it as curiosity. And yes, um, one, two, three, four, five times I want to touch your hair. After like the hundredth time, I was like, okay, yeah, it's kinky. It's chino. It's chino. Muy chino. That's what I would tell them. Like, so that they wouldn't stop me to touch my hair because I would stop for everybody. But I never really felt like racism. And like you said, unlearning, I think the first thing I noticed about that or the racist tendencies here was when I actually did makeup for a lady and she, the first thing she told me was that, oh, I didn't know black, she said in Spanish, I didn't know that black people were so beautiful. And I'm like, oh my God, really? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in Mexico, the darker skinned people are not 
classified as pretty you have to be paler with a more narrow nose and those are things that you, you wouldn't outrightly say that, that person is racist but that's what she just knew from growing up or that's the way the media depicted things for her so that's what she feels but the, i trust me if she had said that to an african-american person right now like that person would have been cancelled immediately but that was that is something that she had learned so for me I had to tell her no 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 see like all skin tones are beautiful doesn't matter what color the person is with the little spanish that i know doesn't matter what color you are that beauty actually comes from within you I, I do makeup but it's not because i think you're ugly i do it to enhance what you have already so you when people come and show me pictures of maybe um i, I don't I, let me just give a, a typical example somebody will show me a picture of some i've forgotten i've forgotten her name she she's the lady from modern family i've forgotten what her name is but they were they want to look like that and i'm like yeah i i do makeup i don't like do plastic surgery i can't give you exactly all the features there so i will tell her okay we're gonna take out some things that you liked from her makeup and we're gonna add it to you just to enhance your features so that's the one thing i always tell people because they're like oh you plaster i do put a lot of makeup on my face i agree i do it because i like to be artistic in that way not because i think that i'm ugly on my own i i'm neither in between you can testify dummies either i have a full face of makeup or i have absolutely nothing on my face i'm not gonna do halfway because that's how i like it both extremes but for the situation in the united states like i've had so many people ask me questions and all that and i'm like do you know what I feel? I understand how black Americans feel, African Americans living in America feel, because they don't even know where their heritage is unless they go through the whole DNA testing process. But I do. I know that if push comes to shove and you guys don't want me, I go back to Nigeria and um, I have roots. I can, But these people don't have that. And when people come and make it a political thing for me, I'm like, no, let's leave politics out of this. This is the human thing to do. Appreciate and love everybody in their differences. Because if the world was only the United States, you guys wouldn't have anywhere to travel to. You would just have the United States. And inside the United States, we have so much differences. Moving to North Carolina, I realized that I was in the South-South. Then visiting, I think the first vacation that we had outside of the South was New York. And it was a whole different world completely for me in the United States. And to see that much difference within one country, it breaks my heart to see the way people are treated. Black, brown, orange, yellow, pink. I don't care. All I know is that our differences make us unique. And that brings... I don't know, it's this, it's this, how do they say, um, variety is the spice of life. So for my kids, I try not to worry. I honestly do try not to worry. I hold on to God rather. And I'm like, okay, you are the one that created us different in our ways. But I never want to hear that my kids fit the description because they look a certain way. I believe you shouldn't judge anybody by outward appearance wait until they've actually done something for you to say okay this is it so i try not to worry dominique i'm a mother i have only two boys i don't have a daughter i try not to worry but i know that they're gonna be big boys because my dad is tall and muscular and i know that they love sports so they might seem intimidating but why why should they seem intimidating because they're tall and they're darker skinned than you so it's it's a very I've like I've spoken to so many of my African American friends in the United States and I understand how they feel, how I feel, and I, I probably feel that my kids will want to move back to the US after or go back to Nigeria. I don't know what they want to do, but at this point in time I just try and teach them as much as possible because they're only two. Like everybody is different, but we are all the same. Like, we all bleed the same at the end of the day. Everybody's blood color is red. Nobody has blue or yellow or pink or black or brown. And moving to Mexico, I think what actually scared me at first was that they would get used to seeing 
lighter skinned people around them and feel like okay only mom and dad and me and my brother are this color so when we actually did our first trip back to nigeria i was like oh how would they would re- how would they react seeing so many people black but they didn't see anything so it just goes to show that they don't know what the difference is at that age they're just like oh you're a nice person you have food you give me food you play with me you carry me okay fine i'm going with you so it's difficult but i feel like we just need to teach love not color not race not political group but genuine love and let love lead the way change is i think that change is inevitable in life every every time something happens change will come but what direction is the change going is it positive or negative if it's positive okay let's continue moving if it's negative irregardless of where you're from what color you are what your political affiliations are you should stand for what is right and is it right that somebody should be shut down because they're running because you think they are burglars i understand you have your amendment to own a gun fine good own the gun but then allow the person to speak before you come and shoot them down Is it right that you think the person looks like they're committing a crime? Allow the justice system to take control. Don't put it into your own hands and kill an innocent person. Is it right that I see somebody on the street and I'm like, oh, this person looks somehow. I call the police immediately. Why? Ask yourself a question. Why are you calling the police? Is it because you know that the police is going to believe you over that person? Or what? So those are the things that we need to... I don't know. I don't know how to teach them to people really dominate. I could go on and on and on and on, but it's it takes the little things that we're doing now, talking to our kids, having those dis- conversations, not just putting them in the background and saying, "Oh, those things happened in the past, they're not happening again." No, we have to discuss it. And if you have a question, ask somebody. You know, tell them, "I'm sorry, I might not understand this properly, but I want you to educate me." And then that person will tell you how they feel and then you'll see things in a different light. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about perspective. Uh, You brought up some really good points too and really good questions, I think, to ask ourselves. Um, One of the things I've been working on myself is I've picked up, you know, some new books I'm reading and trying to understand this as a mother and like how I'm raising my children my husband's Afro-Peruvian, and we've never talked to our kids about color of skin before, you know, because I grew up thinking we just should never talk about these things. And I'm unlearning and understanding that that was a privilege and that was um, ignorant to not ever talk about skin colors and things and so it's you know it brings up a lot of interesting points as a teacher as a mother and like really raising human beings who love each other and respect everybody and I appreciate your um, heart and just sharing on a topic that's so powerful and timely right now it's always timely um, but with everything happening thank you for sharing um, your thoughts on that and just challenging us to really think and ask You're those welcome, questions. Dominique. It's like your platform is something that people would listen to and be like, oh, really? So that's why I am happy anytime, any day, even if people have questions that they have later on to talk about it, the perspective and how it feels. Because I, like I said, look at the case of the lady that was saying, oh, darker skin people. That's what she knows. And that's probably what she's been taught. And obviously, that's what the media also represents. Like, you would, the media shows different things. They show skin color. They show a particular way a woman's body should be. And, you know, so those stereotypes have what have sipped into our conscience. And trust me, I'm not saying that, you know, if you're on the big side and it's Deliberating for your health obviously try and lose a little bit of weight but i'm not saying that you have to be quote unquote i'm going to put it as it is the kim kardashian type of weight because i see people and i'm like yeah yeah that's not this is not natural you cannot everybody cannot be like that so it's the same thing with skin color and um just you know 
for example, you walk into, I walk into, like, I would love to have a daughter. Lord, hear me. I'm speaking into the universe. I would love to have a daughter, but I would want her to be able to come into a store and see that not all the dolls are a particular color with a particular type of hair. And I read something recently and the daughter, she went into a store and the daughter went straight to the Barbie, like the white blonde Barbie. And my mother was like, oh, why don't you want this one with the curly hair? And she said, her teacher said that kids that have curly, big, untamed hair, that they don't look neat. And she's four years old, four years old. So you can imagine she's being taught that in school and her mom has like Afro kinky hair. And her mom's like, so I don't look neat. She's like, mom, you look neat. I think you do. But that's what Miss So-so-and-so said. So it's very important for us as mothers to teach our kids because they do learn a lot of stuff in school. Thank the Lord that this Black Lives Matter movement happened at such a time of quarantine. So I think parents have more hands-on in what to teach their kids but it's the onus is on us as mothers and aunties as friends as to continue talking i will share another experience that i had my kids before the quarantine my kids were going swimming and there's a kid that a girl that's always playing with my sons like she just likes to be around them but for her i don't think she understood that their whole body was brown so she came into the bathroom while i was changing them and she asked me in spanish but why is your son's complete body cafe like brown and her mom obviously turned bright red at that time she was like oh my god my daughter and it was an honest genuine question she really wanted to know and i was like yo you know that's a nice good question and in this little spanish i did i told her that you know people are different you're fortunate to have met me maybe your entire life you've only met people that are from Zapopan but there are people in the world that are darker and I've showed her my son Kanye because he's a lighter skinned brown than I am as you see he he's más claro than me you can see she was like yeah 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 I was like so there are people in the world that are like this there are people in the world that have different colors of hair you're always touching my hair you love how I always change it you can see because I have a certain texture of hair that can be straight if I want it to be but in its natural state, it is this curly. And her mother really appreciated that I took the time out to explain it to her. Because I'm sure her mother wouldn't know how to explain it. And then I, you know, after I finished talking, she hugged me like, oh, thank you for explaining. And not like yelling or like telling me, hush, kayate. I'm like, no, she's a kid. She wants to know. And this is the explanation we give. So now she knows that, oh, because maybe for her, maybe it was just that the face and the arms, the parts exposed to the butt, the sun were darker skinned because that's what it is. But now that I've explained it to her and I showed her pictures on my phone, she was like, wow, okay, that's cool. I've learned that. But for, especially because in Guadalajara, there are not a lot of black people. There are not a lot of, I know whenever I release like living in Mexico videos on YouTube, they get the most views immediately because people are like, whoa. You're not black, you're not African American. You're actually African living in Mexico. Why? It's like it, it blows their mind, but it's such a global world we're living in that there are different people from all over the world living in different countries. So I think everybody should know and we should teach them without any judgment in love. That's the most important thing because imagine if I had just hushed that girl. She would never want to ask that question again in her life to anybody and she would have lived with a bias. That's what it would have been. Exactly. And I think that's what happens so often. And it's natural for kids to ask those questions. And it's on us as adults, as their parents, to give them honest answers and read books that represent all colors and watch things like I know when Max was little we he really wanted a doll and I you know I know sometimes like when you have a boy like you think what he wants a doll but we got him a doll and it's the doll is darker skinned and it's still Max and Zoe's favorite doll <laughs> they've been given other dolls that are lighter skinned but they don't look like my children. My children aren't blonde and blue eyed. And I think it's so important just in the little things. And I hope to see this movement continue and really um, 
what's the word like infiltrate yeah just media and we've seen a lot of black voices speaking up on different platforms and i think it's such an opportunity for everybody right now to really take the time to unlearn and then learn again that's the most important part you keep on raising up dominique unlearning and learning like life is about learning you never stop reading you never stop knowing for like i i keep on telling people the buy like i know mexico is known for what drugs and all that but that's what people just know about mexico and that's the end and i'm like there's so much more to what it is for example i had to unlearn to hate tacos because coming from the u.s i'm like taco bell if that's what tacos is i'm not interested in tacos but coming to mexico i'm like never again a day in my life will i I love the way I love tacos. It's like I love Mexican food. I absolutely love it. And I think that's the best part of moving to so many places. I have taken so many different things from cultures and kept it. There are some things I know, okay, I have to understand why you say it. I don't agree with it, but I'm just trying to understand what it is. And I'm not going to take it. You take the good and you mix it with yourself. Like for me, I think birthdays can never be the same again in my household because I have taken tres leche as a staple. You have to have that cake when it's birthday and we have to have a piñata. It's important. But those are the things that I learned from Mexico and I've taken with me. And from the US, Thanksgiving, I think that's the best holiday in the entire world. And I've taken it and I've imbibed it. So no matter where we are in the world, whether the US, Nigeria, we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner because it means the, the meaning is deep. So that's the thing about life. We need to learn and unlearn. I also come from Nigeria and living in Nigeria, we have, um, how will I put it? We have tribal differences. So there are three main tribes the Igbo the Yoruba and the Hausa I'm from the Igbo tribe which is the west the east sorry so the west and the north are different but we also have cultural bias in the sense that um you know your parents back in the days not right now though because we have learned that it's not the right thing they would say oh who are you getting married to are you getting to marry someone from the east or you're going to the west or you're going to the north and it's not because they didn't want or it's not because they didn't want us to be married, but because of the language differences. You know, it's 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 a whole different thing moving from one, even though English is our first language, we have our own like indigenous languages. So if I'm getting married to somebody from the West, they're gonna speak Yoruba and I speak Igbo. If I don't completely understand Yoruba, then it's gonna be a problem. They think that it would be a problem because as the languages are different, also the food is different, the dressing is different, the culture itself is different. So I keep on telling, my, and, I, and I say it to, like, to my, my mom because they're the older generation. And you know when they say, oh, it would be good. It, they will say it like this. It would be good for you to marry somebody from your tribe. And I'm like, yeah, wherever love takes me to, I will go. You know, unfortunately, fortunately, maybe my mother's prayers, I did fall in love with somebody from my tribe. I married someone from my tribe, so that it made it a whole lot easier. But I have cousins that are married intertribally. And, you know, for them, it would have been, oh, it's going to be hard. But then you see that they have learned, maybe because English is our first language, everybody throws away the language. We're like, yeah, okay, let's just leave the languages aside and let's just all speak English. But we have adopted so many different things from all the tribes that my cousins have married into and it has made us more diverse, you know, more interesting. Like you would come for dinner and there will be different food stuff. It won't just be the Igbo food. There will be Yoruba food inside. There will be Calaba food inside. And trust me now with my Mexican antiques, we're going to be eating tacos too when we have that type of meal because I would make it. So you, it's that's why the I, I feel like if God didn't want this, he would have just made us all white or all black or all light-skinned brown but the I, I keep on emphasizing that diversity is important and i don't know whether our passion is different because we've lived in different places but i say if you want to travel to china to go and experience china then you should 
be able to learn a bit about the custom. You know, if you want to do business with people in Latin America, you know, this is the way they interact. If you can do all that for business because you want to make money, why can't we adopt it in our daily lives to live at peace? Quote unquote. So. Oh, like no. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, but it's so good and so true. And I mean, I kind of wanted to say amen a few times as you were speaking, but I love that you talk about that, like bringing pieces from all these different cultures together. And I think that's the world we live in and that we have to embrace that. And um, yeah, like you said, you know, appreciate the differences because that's what makes everything beautiful and everything work. Um, I just had another question thinking about the pandemic. And I know that this past month you've had a couple like hard things happen while you've been away from family. Um, and it's really hard when we have a life crisis or we lose a loved one or any sort of hardship when we live so far away from family. Um, if you're willing, if you want to, can you just talk a little bit about how you're finding peace and comfort right now while you're away from your family? Yeah, so, well, that's been, that has been like, I think that's the hardest thing about the whole pandemic. Not just the fact that, okay, we're isolated, we're isolated far away from family. So I did lose two family members in the space of two weeks. And the first one was a young death, which broke us, that I think it broke us so badly that I just wanted to lay in bed and like, I didn't want to question God, but I'm like, why? She's young, like, she died of breast cancer and her first, you know, they say do start doing your checkups at 40, it was her first mammogram they found metastatic breast cancer so what do you do in that case it's not as if she wasn't you know i for me it was like how why when you know but then two weeks after her mom dies and she was current um covid positive but then i also feel it was like the willpower to actually go on like to see that you're gonna bury your only daughter could have been what have could have been what she died of heartbreak plus coronavirus let's just put it like that and for me my brother lives in nigeria my sister lives in england i have plenty cousins in the united states my parents are in nigeria we could not be together you know hold ourselves and cry it out you know if you have a passing and everybody's together you would laugh and joke about good times and it would re relieve that pain that you're feeling my auntie was 70 plus so she lived a good long life but the thing that has most held me together number one is my faith i would have reassurance in the word that everything happens for a reason though i might not see it right now like literally i know that in the near future i would understand his purpose even though i don't fully comprehend it i hold on to the things that he has done in the past that have worked out for my good and i give him the praise for that also listening to music i have been like constantly on spotify spotify like if they could give me like a prize for the amount of people i literally from the time i wake up in the morning and i run till the night time spotify music is playing in the background to get my mind off it i'm so grateful for the internet the internet has been amazing zoom meetings facetime whatsapp video call facebook instagram like i'm constantly looking and talking to my family members even though we're so far away but the thing that it has made me realize the most is that life is for the living like literally life is for the living after now we're not gonna have that opportunity so it has made me understand that i have to check in on my family my cousin that died i spoke to her on thursday before she died we had a one-hour conversation and she was absolutely full of life and then by friday there were complications and by wednesday she died but if i hadn't spoken to her at that time, I wouldn't have felt even worse. 
you know so i have on this i've come to understand that family is so important it doesn't matter how far you are from that person we need to check up on ourselves we need to check up on ourselves and the funny thing is that i watched a movie yesterday called the judge on amazon it was robert downey jr and he had a strange relationship from his father and mother his mother died which brought him back home and i kept telling my husband you see how can you live in a world where no matter how far you are keep in touch even if you can't afford a plane ticket keep in touch with people and then he had realized that all the time he spent away from home for whatever reason did not mean anything when family is involved so that's for me has been the thing i keep on preaching i'm like guys even if we can't all be together, let's do a Zoom meeting. One hour, 30 minutes of your time. Check in. Find out how they're doing. And, you know, let my kids to understand the meaning of family. Because it's not like how we were when, we, when I was younger and I was around my cousins. Everybody has moved and traveled to different places. But I'm so connected to my cousins. Even though I'm like the youngest of... Fun fact, my grandfather had... My grandfather had 26 kids, so I have so many cousins, so many kid cousins. But despite the age gap, for example, my first cousin, my very first cousin, very first grandkid of my grandfather, she's 50 plus. Her two kids are older than me. Her first two kids are older than me. But despite that gap, like there's still a strong connection. And I want my kids to do that. I want them to see that with my brothers and sisters kids or my cousins kids that family is so important so talking and praying with my cousins has helped sometimes we don't have we don't know what to pray we just cry but the fact that i can pick up a phone and call you and just cry on the phone it's it's okay it's okay for me we'll get through this it, it Life may not be the normal that we knew it to be, but we're going to come out of this stronger. That's what I believe. I absolutely believe that too. And I'm so glad that you had that hour with your cousin and sort of got that maybe even closure, even though at the time you didn't realize that's what it was. But I think that message is so important and we all need to be reminded of that, you know, life is short and it's meant to be lived and love right like remember yeah to check in with ourselves and yeah with family and make sure you don't have those unsaid words or anything so i'm so sorry afoma that that you've been going through that and if there's anything that you need from your community here please let us know and i would love to be there for you and the way that you were here for us, bringing us a bag of electrolytes and fruit. <laughs> when that doorbell rang that night, um, I seriously, I've never cried over seeing bottles of electrolyte before. <laughs> but you have no idea. Like that act of love of Oma just spoke so much to us. So I wanted to thank you for that again. And the fruit, I mean, yeah, I feel like we were very blessed as I talked about in the podcast last week that we had mild cases of coronavirus and beyond that we had a community who really showed up for us and oh, yes. the people make all the, the difference people do and I was like I you know when I was seeing stuff and you know even before people started talking oh, what can we do for them what can we do for them I was like like that's it's because of your kindness Dominique I'm not gonna mince words you're a kind person genuinely like, I don't feel if I was, I don't want to mention anybody's name, but if I was, I was like him, we all know who the him is. If I was like him, nobody's going to care. They're like, yo, you know, whatever. It's going to be, you brought it upon yourself. But this kindness that you portrayed to me, that your kids see, there is no way that they are going to turn out bad because they're going to be like, Yo, when mom and dad were sick, so many people dropped off food, toys, treats. Like, as if... I have, like, so many aunties and uncles here in Guadalajara. They don't... They're not related by blood, but your singular act of kindness... Oh, my God. It's, it shows. It shows true and true. So, you're doing the right thing. You're acting the right way. And... 
anytime, any day, Dominique, anytime, any day, I would, I, I keep on saying that my second half of my story living in Mexico after one year cannot be completed without Dominique's name being mentioned like 50 times in the conversation. So anytime. Aww. <laughs> you're, you're so sweet. Seriously. Um, Thank you, Afoma. No, I love you. And I appreciate like every guest I bring on the podcast is somebody who is a, like has an important part of my heart and just our story here in Guadalajara. Um, as we wrap this up, I just wanted to ask, is there any sort of advice um, that you would want to give maybe other women or people who are listening, maybe people who have changed careers, whether it was their choice or not? <laughs> Um, maybe people who want to grow something organically as you have with your makeup business, what sort of, um, final thoughts or advice would you have for somebody? Okay. Mm. So I, the first thing I want to say is that as long as you're passionate about something, the passion will show forth for you. I don't have 20,000 followers on Instagram, 30,000 followers on Instagram, but I have a community of people which I have taken time to build. I want to tell you to be true to yourself. Whatever it is that you are passionate about, start. Don't think about it, just start. Like one of our friends who has a kombucha business, I was like, Yo, you need to open the Instagram page now. Now, she was like, oh, I don't have a page, I don't have a title, I don't, I'm like, no, 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 just open the page now and post a picture, first of all. And then we can talk about hashtags and trying to increase your visibility and all that. So just start off. Your passion will speak through for itself. It doesn't matter how old you are. I think that was one of the things that even put me off YouTube. I was like, oh, I'm not like 16, 17 years old. No, you're going to find your community no matter how old, what it is, you will find it. Rome wasn't built in a day. So your Instagram followers, your any social media account that you have will not be built in a day. It takes time. It takes patience. But as long as you have the passion, that passion is so important because if you don't, it's going to feel like work for you. And if it starts to feel like work for you, like nine to five work for you, then you know it's not the right thing. So that's one. That's the only thing I would say. It's not built in a day. Just do it, literally, like Nike. Just do it. And it, you will grow. You will grow. It, it might not... Some people are lucky. They grow overnight. They have one viral hit thing that just blows them away. Some people, it doesn't work like that. But be consistent. Have passion. And just do it. I would, like, I would share with my YouTube channel. When I started... I, in fact, when I, one of my friends that is also into makeup, I told her about starting a YouTube channel... Her statement was like, oh, you just have 2,000 followers on Instagram, so I don't think you're going to grow your followers on your subscribers on YouTube like that. You should wait. And that put me off. When I spoke to somebody else who had, it was a guy, he had seen a video had, I did and he said he shared it with his girlfriend. I'm like, oh, you should open a YouTube channel. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I think I people have said it enough and I will. And it did take me a one year. It did take me no less than a year, like 10 months to get a thousand subscribers but it took me exactly one year to get monetized on youtube and people now are like oh my god how did you do it but i was like i genuinely i don't feel i don't feel like editing videos is hard work it's fun for me to do i don't feel like doing vlogs are hard work it's fun for me to do and like my husband always says, I like to talk. I, oh, Dominique, I love to talk. So he's like, for me, this is, this is another side of me that once he, somebody asks me a question, I would go, like literally my husband would say, if you ask a former, what's your name? She would start from where she was born, where she has moved, how many friends she has, what she does. And the question was, what's your name? I just asked what your name was. So you need to have a, that passion. You need to have that. That passion is what will drive you to post, even though that your picture only got four likes. That's your, that passion is what's going to move you to put up that, that video today, even though maybe nobody commented on it. I know that it's okay. For me, the first dislike I had on YouTube, I was like, oh my gosh, why did somebody dislike my video? But then you know what? I've taken it positively in the sense that if you disliked it, you watched it. So hey, that's still engagement for me. I love that's that. <laughs> that's awesome. 
No, Afoma, you gave us so many good things today. I feel like I might just need to keep <laughs> I would, inviting you I would you love every to be week. here. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your voice and your passion, your perspective. I can't wait to share this episode with um, the audience. And we'll definitely link to your YouTube channel, to your Instagram account. Um, and anything else you want to share with us because this was awesome. So thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode and if you were encouraged by the message, I would love to hear from you. Please subscribe, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Take a screenshot and post it to Instagram and tag me so that we can keep growing together. And until next time, with heart and humility, embrace la musica.